Welcome to Constructive, a podcast about construction, technology, and whatever else comes up. Hope you enjoy. All right, welcome to episode three of Constructive. This is a podcast about construction and technology. I've got Ben with me. I just want to do a quick, before you introduce yourself, Ben, I want to say thank you for coming. Uh, One of the topics of my uh, podcast is just about working with people in the construction industry and um, your willingness to help and educate me, even though you work for a different contractor and we haven't known each other before. You're basically a stranger to me, but you took an hour out of your schedule just to teach me some of the things about what you do and your expertise. I really appreciate that. Of course, I'm happy to be here. Is that part of your philosophy as a, as a professional in the past of you? How do you, um, balance like getting work done, but also investing in people that you meet? Well, investing with people that I meet is in my opinion, part of my job. Uh, well, cause one, I, it helps for me to learn from other people just as much as I'm educating other people as well. I mean, part of my job, in my opinion, is to just know as much as possible about the industry, know what other people are doing, what softwares are out there, what workflows are out there that other people and other companies are doing. So I learn just as much um, when I have these types of conversations with other people. So it's really just benefits everyone. I love that. And yeah, again, thank you. So do you, would you be willing to give a little bit of your background? How did you start thinking about construction? What what brought you into the technology side of it? And how did you end up where the position you're in now? It's called construction technologist, right? Correct. Yeah. So uh, just a little intro about me. So my name is Ben Stocker. I'm the senior construction technologist at Skender, um, a GC in Chicago, based in Chicago. Um, so how did I get into this? Uh, I kind of just fell into the current role that I'm in now. Um, I mean, I got a degree in civil structural engineering, but then went into construction management and did that for a little while. Uh, I've been in the construction industry for 13 years now, um, and was typically on the project management side, but I was always the person who was just like trying to find new workflows or ways to make my own job more efficient, um, like my own personal responsibilities more efficient, and then also just my projects more efficient. I was always just messing around with new software, whatever it was to try things out. I mean, heck, even back when like uh, smartphones and tablets were first coming out, I like I bought my own, own iPad just to load documents on and be able to bring those out in the field. And at the time, that was like a new thing. You were like, what? How are you getting all this in, out here without your computer and internet connection? And um, So anyways, I was just always trying to find ways to make my own job better using technology. And after, since being at Skender, then I it was that, con- that trend continued. Um, and after a while, it just got to the point where I was having a conversation with someone else at Skender and they were like, hey, why don't you know, you obviously like doing this and why don't you just do this full time then? And at the time there weren't a lot of positions like this. Um, it was a, definitely a newer thing. So, I mean, I just made up my own title at the time. Um, there's no, you know, determined route to take in all this. I mean, there, there were companies that have like VDC groups and whatnot, but that's for the longest time, that was 
to a lot of companies, VDC just means DIM coordination. Um, so we were trying to come up with this new construction technologist role that didn't just do BIM coordination. I was looking at all ways to make the jobs better using technology. Some some companies call it like operations technology now. Um, but yeah, it varies by title, but uh, it all roughly means the same thing. Just using technology to make our jobs better. So that's what I do now. Um, I tell people the elevator pitch of what I do is just the R&D and implementation of all new technologies that help out project teams. Awesome. So yeah, we talked a little the, bit. The long-winded answer of my little background there. I loved it. Thank you. Um, we talked a little bit previously about kind of my journey too. So this next question is going to be um, for young people. Let's say they they really resonate with what you just said. I I think a lot of young people out there that are thinking about getting into construction are thinking also about how technology could help construction. And I think they're entering an industry that is, we've talked about, pretty resistant to change. Um, and a lot of times less creative thinking when it comes to technology and more just we've done it this way for a long time, it works. And sometimes I've told you I've run into pushback at, at different companies about even just trying to use technology that seems like a no-brainer um, to the younger audience and to myself. Um, if if we want to be helping the companies we w- we're working for implement and adopt new technologies, do you have like lessons learned about how to approach that subject with your boss or with the company as a whole? To answer the first part, people who are early in their construction career say they went into project management first. I'm just going to say that because that was my experience. Um, I mean, it, it definitely depends on the culture at your company and what type of culture there is. There are definitely going to be some companies that are much more traditional, old school, and just this is the way we've been doing it forever, and we're going to keep doing it like this. But if you're hopefully at a company that has a good culture, they will embrace um, trying out new ideas and whatnot. So so don't be afraid to to just like look around and try new solutions, look around, find new softwares. I mean... There, I mean, though this is my dedicated role at my company, there are um, uh, there are certain people who are project engineers, project managers, or whatever that I will frequently talk with because they're still looking into ideas too, or they, you know, uh, say, "Hey, this is something I wish I could do better. I heard about someone else using this. You know, have you looked into it?" So still, still definitely be curious and trying to find better solutions for yourself. Don't just accept the wave. Uh, just accept something because it's the way that your company does it or um, the way it's been done for years. I mean, s- you know, somewhat stick to it. So there's some order. Like don't go complete uh, <laughs> complete rogue, but because uh, there are downsides to that. Um, but it's definitely good to explore and see what you can do to improve your own workflows and the company's workflows because it's only going to help everyone else out then if you find something good. Um, so yeah, hopefully you have someone who you can talk to at your company to bring these ideas to. Um, and it, it's only going to benefit yourself and everyone. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, we both have gone through the, the part 107 test and started, or, or at least I started as a hobbyist with drones and kind of never thought it would, um, benefit my construction, uh, career but it's turned into something that I think is huge. And I kind of think every young person 
um, getting into construction should should also look into becoming proficient with the drone. What do you think about that, and how do people start if they are interested? Yeah, that's definitely a huge plus. I mean, I I've heard at some companies where they will you know give a slight raise or bonus or whatever to people who are a field engineer or whatever, and then also have their Part One Hundred Seven pilot's license. Um, but if you are uh, say, you know, coming out of college or whatever and looking to get a construction job, if you get your part 107 license, um, while you're looking for a job and you have that on your resume, that's a huge boost right there because that's, uh, from what I've seen, that is a definitely a, a speed bump, even though it's, it's a minor speed bump, getting people to actually, you know, take time out of their day-to-day job to go and study and then take that test, even though it's not that hard, uh, it's still a speed bump. So if you are going into this job or looking for jobs and already have that um, that exam done and uh, that uh, that license under your belt, it's going to just greatly increase your chance of getting a job and improve your value uh, to any company. Because um, then you can easily, you buying the drone is cheap, but uh, someone's time is more expensive if you take that time to study and whatnot. So if you already have that license, that would be great uh, to just... It, it, yeah, it provides much more value to you, to the company. Yeah, do you think that um, in the future, I know as we're getting drones more involved, obviously an operator is a necessary part of using a drone, but um, a lot of these, like we've talked about what Drone Deploy does, they can map out a um, flight path for you, and basically the drone flies itself at that point. I just thought of this while we were talking. Is it something that in the future you almost won't even need a certification because we're just like letting that drone fly itself? Or do you know the future of that? Um, no, you're always going to need a certification unless there are drastic changes with the FAA laws. Um, I mean, one so way learn how that to fly is, as well. Learning how to fly, I mean, getting that license. That, that Part 107 license actually has nothing to do with how to fly a drone at all. It's just the rules and regulations, airspace, and all that behind it. Um, but actually knowing how to fly a drone, yes, it's important to know how to do that, but it's getting less and less necessary, I'll say, because everything is getting so automated. I mean, yes, just even yesterday I was at a job site. Uh, it was actually a site I was flying at for the first time, and I pre-planned it all. On my computer beforehand, I went out there, I just hit go, and it automatically flew everything. So, like, I didn't even have to fly the drone at all. Um, so that's definitely getting easier when you're actually on the site. And then to make it even easier than that, now we have these uh, these dock solutions. DJI and Skydio both have docks out where you don't even need to be on the job site at all. You can just set up your drone in a box on site, and then you can be... Uh, sitting in your office at home, whatever, <laughs> just go on your computer and have it perform your automated route. So that that skill level is, um, or the skill required to fly the drone is becoming less necessary with automations like that. It's still important to have that uh, and per- can provide a lot of value because sometimes you do need to manually fly for whatever reason. Uh, maybe you want to do a special type of video or whatever. Um, there's definitely value to being able to manually fly. I'm not trying to downplay that at all, um, but it's getting less necessary with how automated everything is. Right. Um, 
And before we move on to specifically how you use a drone and what kind of data you get from it and then where do you take it from there, I think we talked a lot about um, just creative thinking and construction and I wonder if that kind of applies to technology. I mean, I I think it's... Um, yeah, what do you what do you think about just being a creative thinker as a construction professional? I feel like it takes a lot of that for someone like you to say, actually, I'm in construction, but I need to be thinking about tech. And yeah, um, you de- you definitely have to have a creative mind for it. Like even in a technology position. So so like for me, I think one of the biggest values to anyone who's in construction technology, VDC, whatever, is just the having that. Um, that drive and that desire to just be able to figure things out and try new things because there are a lot of people who are just like, no, I know how to use this. I want to stick with this. But so much of what I do is just, uh, working with the unknown. Uh, that's a bad way of putting it, but like it's trying new softwares that I don't know how to use and just messing around. And it takes, um, it takes a kind of person who has that type of drive to just figure things out for themselves. Is this going to work for me? you know, not just use an established workflow. It's gotta be something new and unfamiliar to you. You have to be willing to work with that. So, I mean, it's the same thing when you're just a superintendent or whatever, and trying to solve problems on a job site, you know, maybe there's a clash between MEPs or whatever, and you have to find creative ways around it. Maybe it's a new situation that you've never dealt with. Um, but it's, yeah, it's the same thing in technology too. You're always just dealing with unfamiliar territory um and having to figure it out so having that drive is definitely important and quickly before we move on as well how do you uh personally deal with it when you're running into maybe an older generation of construction professionals and they kind of want nothing to do with new technology do you have like an approach to softly explaining the value and and what does that conversation look like the best way I've seen is just to show someone what you can actually do with it. And it especially helps if it's from their project or whatever. So, um, for example, like, uh, if for, uh, let's stick with drones here. Um, if I'm trying to, if someone's asking like, oh, you know, why is, why do we need to use this here? Or like, I've actually, oh, here's just a perfect example. I've been on a site before and there was someone from a subcontractor. I, I don't remember who it was, but they were, they were like, oh, you have your toys on site here, you know, kind of just trying to downplay it. And I'd kind of just stopped them, but like, you know, politely talked to them and showed them like, oh no, actually I'm, you know, surveying the site, I'm mapping it, creating a whole 3D model and everything. And I was showing them then just on my phone, some of the results from, you know, like a previous week's flight or whatever. And they it actually turned them around. They're like, oh, okay, that's actually really cool. That and it's all like just showing people uh, what you can do with the tech you're trying to use on that job. That that's really what can sell people. Um, and then, so I mean, that example was showing someone in the field. But if you're trying to explain to uh, someone else in the office, maybe you know it's a uh, your CFO that you're trying to convince to buy software or whatever. Um, how that's typically been successful for me is if I can get, I need to get either like the PM or especially the superintendent on the job site. If I can get them a sold on a new software workflow technology, whatever. And then it, that superintendent is the one explaining to the CFO or whoever, why we need it. That's, uh, that's, that's how you can get, uh, adoption really easily. 
actually, I heard, uh, it was just earlier this year, someone told me, um, if you can get the superintendent on board, you know, that's instant sell. If you can make it, uh, solve some type of safety issue, that's another instant sell. And if you can get the superintendent to say that it's a safety issue, then you're golden. <laughs> that's, that's the Let's talk about to that too with drone safety. You just kind of brought that to the front of my brain as far as to me, drones are a no brainer from a safety perspective because it can minimize people having to climb on the side of a building or, or a ladder or a scaffolding. It can, um, yeah, keep the human element out of some of the more dangerous, uh, jobs on a construction site and robots yeah, might be that absolutely. as well in the future. But do, do you want to flesh that out at all? Absolutely. I'm actually glad you asked that, uh, because literally having conversations yesterday and today, um, about, uh, we have a, a building that we're finishing up right now, uh, 21 story, a high rise building. And, um, we need to do the final facade inspections on the building. So I'm actually going out on Monday to um, to uh, do a drone survey of the facades of this building so that uh, the owners, architects, and our team can look at it to create a final facade punch list of anything that needs to be cleaned up, touched up, whatever. Um, so ha- being able to just throw a drone up and capture everything in you know under an hour in a safe manner and then have everyone be able to inspect the building from the comfort of their computer instead of having to get, you know, lifts on the side of the building. I mean, you're not going to get the architect up in a in a lift on the side of a 21-story building. Um, so that's just a perfect example and very timely. I'm glad you asked about it because uh, doing it right now. But, yeah, being able to send this up there to do a building facade inspection is huge for safety. Yeah, we're going to get into some of the details of what you get from a drone as well and 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 what you're using that um those images for because to me it's so much more powerful than even just still photos. It's like you've shown me and and we can just get into that side of it, the workflow of what you end up with um after mapping a site with a drone because it's 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 a 3D model that you can uh, rotate around the building you can look at specific elements of it it's not just one picture with no context I think you and I were talking in the past about how many OAC meetings I've had where I've said uh, do you remember that tree by the multi-purpose room that is in the way of x y and z and then everyone's like no I'm not really sure wait which building are you talking about and where are you talking about and I just think it would save a ton to to pull up that 3d model or or the the 3d images and be able to look around like a street view of uh, like how google has street view you can do that on every element of your your project so let's get into that a little bit what what is the workflow like let's say you're going to start mapping a project um where do you start? I assume it's getting the drone images and then what happens to those images and how do they create this kind of 3D model um, that you can share with your clients and in meetings to kind of look through issues? Yeah, so how do we capture all this? I mean, I you you mentioned Drone Deploy earlier. So here at Skender, we use Drone Deploy for all of our drone capture. Um, that's where we do all the processing and hosting and everything. But when when I go out to capture a site, so just yesterday I mentioned 
yesterday I was at a new site that we're going to be building a new, um, a new hospital building and nothing right now. It's just an empty grass field, um, with a little retention pond. But so I went out and captured all the existing conditions. So I beforehand pre set it up on my computer, just draw a polygon over the area that I want captured. Um, and then I go out there and hit go and it's going to capture hundreds of photos. And then, uh, after a few hours of processing, uh, well, I upload that and it processes, and then I'll have map photos, video, 360 photos, uh, and a 3d model, um, of everything that, uh, is on that site. So now the team has accurate existing conditions versus, um, you know, trying to rely on Google satellite imagery that is, uh, you know, who knows how old in this case, it's, uh, it actually probably looks pretty similar because nothing's been there for a while, but we've had other cases where, especially like more downtown where the, the landscape does change a lot. Like there have been buildings that have been demoed since then. And like, I've had some where the, uh, Google satellite imagery still shows like an old, uh, what it was a warehouse factory, something like that. And that wasn't even there anymore. It had been demoed down and we were trying to, you know, plan a logistics plan for the start of our job. It's like, how would you have done that over an aerial map that is completely inaccurate? It's missing new roads even. And so yeah, getting that existing condition is hugely important. Um, and that's just step one here. That's just pre pre-con here before, you know, and I mean, this happens before we even win the job. Uh, the second we find out about a job, we're going and capturing what it looks like so that we can uh, better know the the conditions there. Before we but, move on, does that also yeah sometimes help you win a job? That that front end Abs- work absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I mean, because you if you use any of that media in your in your pitch or whatever, it's just showing you it's showing the owner that you understand this project better because you you can accurately see the existing conditions versus just making educated guesses off of outdated satellite imagery. It's showing you took the extra effort to actually capture the whole site. I mean, we'll do the same thing with our interior projects too. uh, We'll go in and do like a laser scan of the entire existing uh, floor or whatever it is um, just to prove that we, you know, understand this. We've already done our floor analysis. We can take this and do full scan to BIM if we need to. So yeah, just proving that you have taken the time to understand that job site beforehand really can help you win those jobs. And then I imagine moving into the next phase, it saves um, time and money on the back end where you're you're identifying potential conflicts and problems with this 3d model before they actually occur right absolutely i mean we have one project that's ongoing right now um we're capturing there weekly and i have uh recently um been chatting with the the superintendent there and he's just keeps telling me how like how useful it is. He's pulling all these, these drone maps and models up like every single day, pretty much to solve problems. Like, oh, they need to relocate this, but it has to be, uh, or what did, what did they need to relocate? Um, I don't know. It was like a fire hydrant or something. They need to be relocated, but it had to be within a certain distance from all the other ones in the surroundings. So they were able to just use our drone map and take measurements on there, um, to see where it needed to go. Um, he's 
telling me about solving underground utility conflicts and everything all with the drone map because we can overlay our drawings on there as well. Um, there are all sorts of problems that can be solved with these these drone maps. And not even just, it can be just little tiny things, like just little logistical problems for the superintendent that can save them so much headache because maybe instead of going off of, you know, it's one thing at the very beginning of the job if you have an outdated map of your site, but a few months into the job, it looks completely different than it did at the start of your job. So if you're trying to like show people where to uh, come, maybe it's a, uh, a subcontractor who's coming to the job site for the first time and you're trying to show them Google satellite maps you know, that, and you, your job's been going on for months and different entrance gates have moved and everything, you know, that's useless if you have an old satellite map. But if you can say, oh, here's my drone map from two days ago, this is exactly what the site's going to look like when you get there. Just little logistical problems like that can save a lot of headaches as well. All right. So Ben, I fly a drone a little bit, but I have not gotten deep enough into the workflow of what to do with those images. So far, all I've used uh, drone footage for is a little bit of surveying just from picture taking of certain elements on buildings and then mostly just marketing stuff. But you're using this stuff in a really awesome way. Can you walk through your workflow a little bit for us? Sure. Um, yeah, I can absolutely go over that. I'm going to uh, share my screen right now. So sorry for the audio only listeners, but I'll try to uh, explain um, what I'm doing here. So I'm showing my screen now and I'm showing the interface from Drone Deploy. That's the platform that I use for all of my capturing and processing of all my drone maps. So here we're looking at just the, the top down ortho mosaic image it's called of the job site. It's just a, a stitched together high resolution image um, this particular one consists of 467 photos that were stitched together to make this. So this is just a really high resolution map of your job site. Um, much better than the Google satellite imagery around it, like I was talking about, that's uh, significantly older and lower resolution. So it's great to have that. Um, then all around it, there are pins for uh, fo progress photos, videos, some 360 photos. Um, so, I mean, they're just great ways to document your job site. Nothing like too exciting about those, but they're very helpful to have all those progress photos of your job site. Um, some cool things we can do in here though, um, because we're running this through a photogrammetry engine too, there's, it's actually creating a 3D model in the background um, and getting measurable depth data of all this too. So here, I'll switch over uh, really quickly here. Hopefully it loads quickly. Um, so here's the, the 3D model of this particular week. The building has not really started to go up. I mean, this was just from a couple weeks ago um, and just starting with the foundation work. So it's a pretty flat job site right now, but uh, this will look a lot more interesting in the 3D view once the building starts going up. But just it's nice to have this 3D representation of the job site, but you can actually see that there are, it's getting all of these spoil piles, the elevation changes. You see the foundation walls here. So the reason I wanted to show you that is when we go back to our 2D view here, I can turn on this elevation view and actually is, this is a really good way to visualize the job site. And now it's brought up a, a heat map showing the elevations at different spots around the job site. So I mean, turning this back off, I mean, it's basically winter in Chicago now. You can see there's snow on the ground here and everything. So it's a very just 
gray job site, it can be hard to differentiate some elements. But turning on this elevation view helps so much because it really makes all of these foundation walls pop. Um, and then we're able to turn on like our drawing overlays or whatever and make sure that everything's installed in the right spot. Um, so like that's another thing too. We take these maps and we can overlay um, we can overlay some of these drawings here and actually make sure that columns are in the right place, walls are being installed in the right location. Just everything is in the right spot with these drawing overlays. So it's a really nice way um, to do a quality check there. Um, turn that off. Uh, I'm going to turn the elevation view back off. So, yeah, uh, and when we, when there was actually more site work going on and actual like earthwork, we used the that 3D data a lot for doing volume calculations, cut fill analysis, comparing week to week to see how much soil has been taken off the job site. Um, so you can get a lot of really good measurable data out of this. Um, compare weeks side by side and like a split view, um, measure slopes of area, you know, make sure that, um, this foundation, make sure the slab on grade is flat here. There's a, there's a lot of analysis you can do with this. That is really great to your job site. That would take so much longer if you were hiring survey crews to go out and do this. Like, I mean, our superintendent is able to be just sitting at his uh, desk, which is uh, conveniently right across the street here in this building. He can just be sitting at his computer and doing all of these calculations and analysis without having to hire any surveyors to come to the site to do this. So it's huge quality of life improvement and uh, helps speed up all that process of getting any of those measurements. Um, so that's um, kind of a really, really quick overview <laughs> of all the things that we're doing with the drone deploy here. Um, but then another thing I'm doing too is taking all of these I'm taking a lot of the imagery or the videos and I'm creating a Gaussian splat with them as well. So I'm going to switch over here. So let's refresh this so we get to see the cool uh, opening animation. So for the audio listeners, I just switched over to Luma AI and I were viewing a Gaussian splat of that same job site um, from the same week as well. And this is just... I'm not going to pretend to be smart enough to explain exactly how a Gaussian splat is created, but essentially it's a different way of visualizing the job site. So it's not creating a proper 3D model like you saw with the photogrammetry model. There's no measurable data in here right now, but it's significantly better just for visualizations. Um, I mean, just looking at this here, you can actually see the reflections um, in the water icy water that is starting to puddle up over here uh you can actually see the the power lines running between these poles here those are way too skinny to ever show up in a photogrammetry model um so there are a lot of advantages of viewing it and as a gaussian splat like this um it's just uh it's a really nice way to visualize your job site you like i said you're not going to be doing any of those volume calculations you're not measuring for slope in here or anything but if you just need to view the job site, it's a great way to do that. Um, you also get a lot more background context of the surrounding area because it can actually capture more in the background where photogrammetry is not going to do that. Uh, I'm going to jump over just to another job I have um, in Luma here. So another Gaussian splat we're looking at. So this is of a different job site that is just wrapping up um, in downtown Chicago. 
So, I mean, a big advantage is that you notice right away here versus a photogrammetry model is you get that background context, like I was mentioning. Our photogrammetry model of this particular job site is just of this immediate single block or whatever, very, just half a block actually, where with this Gaussian splat, you get all the, the background context of the city here. And that just provides a lot of value when you're just inspecting and looking at your job site, especially if you're sharing it with an owner too. Um, on this particular job, we the owner is actually requested to see these splats now each time they get a status report. Um, and it's really easy to create too because I'm just using the media that I was already capturing anyways for my drone deploy um, for my drone deploy mapping. I just take those same videos and I can upload them to Luma here and create a really nice looking splat. Um, some advantages yeah, I I mentioned, besides just... Go ahead. Yeah, sorry, um, go on, Seth. I just mentioned the first time you showed me this that the the reflections look so good in this Gaussian yeah. splat as compared to so, photogrammetry as well. Yeah, this particular one that I pulled up, uh, the reflections are a little... Rough, you see them uh, on the bottom of the building here nicely. The um, fact that you can see them I, and they look like they're rotating to me is very impressive. Yes, that's something that you don't experience with a normal photogrammetry model. You actually see the reflections changing here. It's the splats are really good at getting background context, getting reflections, uh, surfaces like glass uh, and water. Even water will show up very nicely. I have another job site that I captured recently um that had a like a retention pond off on the site and the water the pond looks really good in the splat where in a photogrammetry model it just kind of shows up weird just because water and it just looks like a solid object um but another thing that splats are really good at are skinny objects so even just on the top of the building here this structural steel up here as well as like this the slat ceiling over here like those don't show up really great in photogrammetry either where in here they look very crisp and solid um so yeah this is just another nice way to visualize your job site um i think that's uh that that's a kind of wraps up the quick overview of how we're using all of our drone media um yeah you mentioned it a little bit um with clients when you're sharing this stuff First of all, I think I've seen, and you did explain this a little bit, but as time goes on through a project, can you can kind of visualize each each step and go back in time, uh, especially on the drone deploy one, I believe. And then... Oh, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we were just looking at one particular instance, one week when we were looking at all that drone media. But yeah, having having all of that data over time, so like on that job that I was showing, we're capturing there once a week. Um, so it's, it's really nice to be able to have all of that data, that history throughout the job site of all the yeah. photos in the same location and all, all the maps. It's, it's really nice um, just for progress tracking, for documentation, also for like CYA reasons and, you know, proving that, oh yes, this was not installed by this date. And you can prove that because we captured it here. Um, Exactly. Yeah, there are a lot of advantages to that. Um, quickly, we have a couple minutes left. I just wanted to ask you some fun questions. Do you see, you talked to me about Fathom, how you can um, use AI to uh, 
kind of capture meeting notes and stuff like that. But AI in general, do you think it's going to be something I really need to be learning more about right now in terms of as a construction professional? Um, yeah, here, I'll stop sharing my screen first. Um, ooh, AI, I mean, this is a whole nother episode right here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, do you need to start learning it? Uh, I wouldn't say it's absolutely necessary right now because it's so new. Um, will it help you if you learn it? Absolutely. I mean, we're just right in the beginning of, uh, AI being accessible to everyone still. Um, I mean, we're, we're, we're just at the beginning of this still. I mean, it was what, just about a year ago where large language models start kicking off and really exploding this whole AI boom that we have right now. And we're just at the beginning of this right now. I mean, think like AI, it's just, it's learning our language right now with these language models. There's so much more for it to learn too. Like after it learns our language, now we're, it's starting to actually understand what it sees and what we're capturing. So all these different methods of capturing, whether it's from these drone maps or like 360 photos inside or from our laser scans that we're doing. I mean, AI can already now in early states recognize what we're capturing um, and actually understand it. And it's going to be able to give us valuable insights and warn us if, you know, things aren't on track or if things are installed in the wrong place. Um, I mean, there's, there's already a lot that we can do, but it's still extremely early and it's just going to explode here in the future is it kind of like a calculator where like when i was i'm old enough where uh, schools were still like i'm not sure if we want students to use calculators so we had to learn a lot of math the the long form way and also be able to use calculators i imagine ai and some of this new technology being a little bit similar to that i would still recommend people learn how to do things without ai um even if AI is going to take away the necessity to do things the long way. Do you agree? Um, it's not necessarily going to replace workflows that we're doing. Maybe for some small things like, I don't know, writing an email or like parts of a proposal or something like that. Yeah, it could replace you actually writing it. Um, but a lot of what I see AI being used for here is just getting rid of the busy work and directing us like, helping us focus on what we need to actually do. So instead of solving the problem for you, it might just automatically recognize it. So you don't have to do like a full inspection of whatever. The, the AI could actually just direct your eyes to the place that needs to be looked at and needs to be fixed. Um, I think that's going to be the way that's going to be most beneficial to us. And it still requires our expertise and it's not replacing us fixing where this sprinkler pipe needs to be moved to, but it might have detected that there was a you know, going to be a conflict here and then we can, we can make the, the corrections then. I think that's good news for humans. Okay. Thanks again, Ben. I'm going to need to have you on for another hour at some point here. So I'll keep you posted, but no, this has been great. <laughs>